Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. <laughs> Hey friends, this is Rob, and welcome to the podcast. Oh man, this is uh, I'm gonna I'm just this I'm not gonna do the normal intro for this one. I'm just gonna dive right into my conversation with Amanda nephew. But before I do, uh, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, here's the deal: I am an internationally touring bassist and music director. And for the past decade, I've been traveling the world uh, performing music. And as I was doing that, I started realizing I was having all these really cool music started opening up all these incredible doors for me to meet super interesting people. And I was having all these cool conversations with people. And I thought, man, what would happen if I started a podcast where I sit down on location over drinks with the most interesting people that I meet or friends of mine that I know and just have uh, and just, yeah, just start rolling the microphone and see what happens. The whole podcast is centered around sitting down in person with someone over drinks because I feel like that's all my favorite conversations have happened over like a coffee or a beer or sipping a proper scotch. Uh, but like many of you about, oh man, it's freaking two months ago now, about two months ago, life completely turned on its head for me. Most of us find ourselves, I mean, I want it. Most of us, if you're listening to this, uh, I know for a fact that life, uh, has completely changed for you, your daily routines, uh, what work has looked like, what relationships have looked like, uh, everything has completely changed because of this coronavirus. Personally, I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and so we're coming up on two months where we have been social distancing. It's not like a full quarantine, but it's been a lockdown. I've essentially been home 24-7 for the past two months. So a massive question for me as I've been just kind of taking a step back to put pause on a lot of creative endeavors of mine has been trying to think, okay, what does this podcast look like? Uh, Something that has been based primarily on having conversations in person with people all over the world. By the way, if you want to check out other conversations I've done, you can head to the website, thecuriouspod.com. On there is a map where you can check out conversations that have happened in the Bahamas, Germany, Belgium. Uh, all over the U.S. on tour, uh, you can, or you can, uh, or and a really cool thing that we've just implemented is there's a whole section where you can follow your curiosity and uh, find somebody that you'd be interested talking to, whether it's a mortician, musicians, chefs, audio engineers, distillery owners, photographers, brewery owners, clothing designers, programmers sommeliers, craft cocktail consultants, oddities, shop owners, travel professionals, authors. I mean, it's all over the map, the kind of people I've had conversations with. But if you have time on your hands and you want to check out some of those conversations, head over to thecuriouspod.com. In addition to that, here's the deal. Question number 36. The 36th one I put out, uh, I titled, What is it like being married to a creative when you aren't one? It was my conversation with one of my best friend's wives, Amanda Nephew. Uh, Her husband, Jasper, and I have toured all over the world together. His wife, Amanda, is a licensed marriage and family therapist. So we ended up, we got together in her, on her patio. The conversation was essentially what is it to, what's it like to be married to someone that doesn't think the same way and function and exist in the universe the same way as you do. And we got some tips and thoughts from her. And it is one of my number one most downloaded episodes on the podcast. Uh, Thank you to all of you that have called in to the podcast hotline. The numbers are in the show notes below, by the way, and uh, said how much you appreciated that episode. Uh, So these past few weeks, as I've been thinking about the podcast and what kind of conversation I think would be beneficial for myself and everybody listening, uh, I was thinking about you 
And I thought about the fact that you and I find ourselves most likely in a situation where you, we, so many of us are in a relationship right now and we are all quarantined at home in a high stress situation, one-on-one, 24-7 with our partners. Uh, so I reached out to Amanda and I said, hey, uh, would you be willing to get on a Zoom call and just talk about uh, any tips or advice you may have for anybody in a relationship right now stuck at home in quarantine. Yeah, so that's what this is. Uh, a Zoom conversation with my friend, Amanda Nephew. Uh, what else was I going to say with this? I'm going to just jump right into it. But if you do uh, want to listen to the other conversation I had with Amanda, I'm going to put a link in the show notes below to this webpage, and I'll put a link to the other conversation we had. Uh, all right, but that's all I got. I think I'm not, I'm not going to do a full intro with my wife, Sarah, on this one. I'm just going to jump right into my conversation with Amanda. This is the first, literally the first uh, conversation I've had on the podcast where it hasn't been in person. It's a Zoom call, uh, so if it sounds goofy, uh, we're, I'm, still, I'm still trying to figure out what this looks like. So uh, let's dive right into it. My conversation with Amanda Nephew, advice for anyone right now during COVID-19 quarantine that's in a relationship. This rules. Thanks for doing this with me. You can hear me all right? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I, I just got these yesterday because Jasper lost his and he bought another pair and then found his original pair. Yeah. Uh, he just gave these to me yesterday. I haven't had them before. Mm. It's nice. Yeah, they're sweet. Uh, I I live with those right now. Um, I live in my AirPods. They're just constantly in my pocket. It's weird because when you look at it, when, if you don't, if you haven't had AirPods before, uh, you don't know about it until you get them, and then you just live in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they're the greatest thing. I've already ever. lost the little box in the last half an hour. I was like, uh, I don't know where the little charging box is. It's somewhere in the house. Oh yeah, yeah. I lost them. It's been a half an hour <laughs> since I've owned them, basically. <laughs> Okay, here's, uh, what do you do when it comes to uh, a car, like a car mount? Like, do you have something where you a could- mount? My phone is mag- has a magnetic case. It's like a magnet in it. So then there's a magnet, like flat thing you just put in your car. Here. I have the exact same the thing. Yes. Yeah. When you have that in AirPods, it is weird when you oh. start driving things. Because then you're just like, you get in your car, you throw it there, your AirPods are in. You just aren't thinking. Like, running errands is a game changer with that crap. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. If I can oh. find my box, my life will be complete. Uh, man, I, this is, it's this part, this, uh, starting this professionally right now is the hardest part about this for me because all I want to do is, uh, just have a conversation with you (laughs) (laughs) and just hear how everything's been going uh, with all this craziness. But let's, let me start it like this. What I want to do is, uh, and you can hear me all right through this. Okay. This is my first time I'm using like a, it is weird. Everything has changed. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. this is just a side note, but I, like all these things were like doing the podcast or whatever. I like, I had all these things. I want to do it in person. It has to do that. And like, now it's completely stripped away. I'm like, Oh, we gotta, you have to shift everything you do. Yeah. And you're doing the same thing. Cause you're doing therapy from home online. Yeah. Well, I've been doing that since 2017. Okay. Cause I started doing that when I had morning sickness with Ruby and I couldn't mm-hmm. go into my office, but my brain was still working. Yeah. But I was like constantly throwing up. So I just did sessions. I figured it out like three years ago. So I've had some clients already. So I didn't have this major mass panic switch to online because I was already set up. Oh, yeah. So it was just like sending my clients a different release of, or a different informed consent and then the, the link. So it's been yeah. perfect. You just, I'm going to do this more now, I guess. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, yeah. I know. Uh, that, okay, that's cool. Um, okay, well, the, here's, here's how maybe I want to start this. If someone's like, what do you do for a living? And what's like yeah. your... Oh, like a family member. Okay. Say like, say you're sitting down at Thanksgiving, the new okay. boyfriend comes over and is like, Oh yeah, Amanda, what do you do for a living? What do you say? Well, I, I don't like to tell people I'm a therapist because then they think I'm analyzing them, which I am. <laughs> but <laughs> so I try to yes. keep that the last thing that we talk about. Um, <laughs> keep them on guard just to the end, you know? Um, okay. I mostly see people who are in crisis, like high conflict couples. And I do premarital work as well and then I do something called discernment counseling which is a whole different training it's a whole different thing and it's 
not therapy, but it's, it's one to five sessions, two hour sessions. And it's when people don't know if they want to, they're on the brink of divorce. So they don't yeah. know if they want to stay together or, um, work towards separation and divorce. So I do that as well. So basically I'm like crisis management for a lot of couples. The, what I think is interesting, I'm pumped that you said uh, that because I think that helps you saying what you do with like marriage and family stuff mm-hmm. uh, helps frame why I hit you up and like the situation we're all in and the reason why I want to have this conversation with you and my hopes for it. So that's a mouthful to even say more, <laughs> which is that my we all find our, we're in this the middle of this whole COVID-19 crisis pandemic Mm -hmm. and especially where you and I live starting uh this the past couple weeks has been the time where people are now in quarantine or self-isolation so we find our uh majority of people that are watching this have found themselves right now uh in a situation where you have like a way you do life a way you interact with uh Mm -hmm people externally, a way you interact with yourself and a way you interact with your spouse uh, to now all of that has completely changed. Just like we were talking about like works change. Now people find themselves in close quarters, mm-hmm. high stress situation, right? Like yeah. we, there's like a bajillion things. It's almost pointless for me to list all the uh, reasons for like anxiety that everybody's just functioning in with mm-hmm. like financial uh, career stuff, health wise, worrying about mm-hmm. other people. Like we're all, we, I, I, at least for me, it comes in waves, but I'm like just existing with this like baseline anxiety that I didn't normally just live in with. Right. Yeah. Or at least yeah. this thing in the, the, the very, at my very most calm and most just like balanced, it's this thing that just is in the back of my mind. That's just mm-hmm. isn't going away as I'm home. Uh, so the reason why to, uh, talk to you is because now what happens uh, when we, this is specifically for people that are in relationships and uh, Mm -hmm. specifically for us, we're talking about like mainly marriages. Uh, Some you're married and now you are stuck inside in close Mm -hmm. quarters uh, with your spouse like never before. Yeah. And it's really interesting. Um, because I've, as I've been talking with different people over the past few weeks, uh, yesterday I had a conversation with a friend of mine who was, uh, she was long distance dating uh, her, her boyfriend now, and she mm-hmm. just moved back to the States and was just going to crash with him for a couple weeks. This stuff hits. And so mm-hmm. now you've gone from long distance dating and you <laughs> are, now you're living together in home oh, and home yeah. and like straight into the, like you you're in it totally. Or like even someone like me yeah. who I love, love, love hang out with Sarah. We're best friends, but now all of a sudden we're living together nonstop 24 mm-hmm. seven. We can't get away and hang out with other people necessarily like before. So we, to me, I'm like, okay, who's my friend who I can talk to, who we can go to and bounce ideas off. And my hope for this is to one that people would have some, some, some sort of solidarity, right? Uh, yeah. Like we're all stuck in at home, yeah. whether or not someone's gone to counseling and they know that the issues that they're dealing with, uh, with their spouse is, uh, I feel like with the, one of the biggest things with counseling for me would be that you realize, Oh, this isn't a new situation. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. People are dealing mm-hmm. with it. that just there to me goes, Oh, Okay. Yeah. We're not the only ones. We're not crazy. Uh, and then mm-hmm. the second thing, uh, my hope for this is to get some like tactical tips from you, things to uh, avoid doing in our relationships right now. Mm-hmm. And maybe some things uh, that come to mind that we can be intentional about doing that would benefits our living. Yeah. So that massive tangent to say, oh, um, great. I, what I don't want this to be, this conversation, I want to be really, really clear that this is, um, uh, let me, maybe I'll frame this by saying I'm total crap in these uh, podcast conversations mm-hmm. at, uh, at being clear about uh, the fact that this isn't for somebody that needs actual tangible help in their relationship. If it's something right. like like we're talking about, hey, you're you're in a relationship. These are things you can look at. This I don't want this, someone to think that if you are in like a domestic abuse or mm-hmm. in a violent situation, 
this isn't like a, here's 10 tips for you to exactly, yep. make that better. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe mm-hmm. let's start with that and let's get that out of the okay. way. If someone yeah. find like, well, maybe let me phrase it this way. Um, what, what do you, from your professional perspective, what does domestic violence look like right now? Has that changed now that the quarantine yeah. has been put in effect? Well, there's an, there's certainly an uptick in domestic violence calls to law enforcement, as well as just the different domestic violence agencies, because I think, I mean, you can't leave and if yeah. you're in an, in a abusive situation. So it's not always just physical. It is a lot of times it is physical, very serious. It's also um, can be emotional. It can be verbal. And so domestic violence looks different for, I mean, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, but, yeah, totally. Um, it looks very different, but there's two ways you can get a hold. If you're in an a, a unsafe situation, it doesn't mean staying home doesn't mean staying somewhere unsafe. And so there's a, a, a nation or a statewide network called Day One. Okay. It's run out of Cornerstone. I used to work at Cornerstone um, yeah. Domestic Violence Agency in Bloomington. I worked there for four years. Lovely people, super helpful. But day one, um, the crisis line number, can I give the number? Absolutely, please. Okay. So if you need to call it, if you're in danger, you need to get out, you need help, You need there's crisis. The number to call is 1-866-223-1111. Yeah. And you can text as well. So the text number is 612-399-9995. Yeah. So that's day one. They'll help um, facilitate if you need to get to a shelter. Shelters are still open, obviously yeah. essential um, for and you, your family, whatever. Yeah, and I would assume that this is not new information for states that deal with this. So if someone is outside mm-hmm. of Minnesota, I would assume that you could just Google search like your city or state domestic violence hotline or something. And I'm sure yes. it'd be like the first thing to come up or if someone's not. Yeah. I, I mean, sometimes in domestic violence situations, you can't get on the computer and Google things. In, oh. um, but yes, every state has yeah. resources. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to, like you, like you said, that was a great catch because that you said like, this could be a whole other podcast episode. I think that's good to like move on. But just, to, I just wanted to be clear that this isn't something if someone is listening and they are in need of help, like find that help. It would just break my heart to think of this conversation, encouraging someone in an unsafe situation to just try to use their willpower and tools, right. tips and Here's techniques. Some tools. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Cause Man, and that's a side note. I just, my biggest frustration right now is, uh, not biggest, but one of my frustrations is there's this hustle culture. There's this culture like in the, it's so trendy to be like an entrepreneur or doing like Mm -hmm. doing your own thing. You're like, you're a small business owner, you're self-employed doing your therapy stuff. It's so easy right now to, for people just to say, you know, you've got all this free time just this is the time to like really be intentional and hustle and push through and like mm-hmm. just like force things to be better and no matter what. But I think there's something to be said about this is like a stressful situation yeah. and maybe uh, it's not the time where you can, maybe like your own willpower may not be just enough to like right. push through. And I don't know. I would just yeah. hate for that to be. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we all find ourselves in this really almost like traumatic experience. Like we are all dealing mm-hmm. with this massive, massive amount of stress. Are there, I'm, I'm curious about what side effects people could like be on the lookout for. Are they, I know we were talking before you said something about stress language. And so I'm curious about what, what is stress language and what are things that you think people will probably start like noticing? By the way, can I just yeah. say right now, I feel really weird. I got to stop myself. Why? Because I don't know, I feel like I'm getting into like too professional mode. <laughs> I know <laughs> it feels so good this because we're such friends. I mean, it's not at all. So, so I don't know. You're the pro. I don't. So I'm just I'm, like you're acknowledging. This is, this is so is good. Great. I'm so pumped. You're willing to go here with me. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think in general, I think we're all experiencing just like a fatigue. I think most of us, the people that I've talked to, and I just feel like in general. I read a great article. Oh man, I can't remember where I read it. Washington Post. Okay. Times. I don't know. Talking about anticipatory grief and how we're all kind of in this anticipatory grief place 
we don't really know what we're grieving. We don't really know. We're just tense. There's just this tension. Yeah. Um, But it's vague and it's kind of ambiguous. Yeah. And it's just tense. And so I think with that, um, our system, our immune systems, even our adrenal systems, I think we're all just a little bit fatigued more so some more so than that. I mean, we got the doctors, we got the nurses, we got the first responders, we got those people who are in a different category than us who are just like, I just need to stay home. Like that's literally all I'm being asked to do. Yeah. But I'm still tense. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, um, in general, there's like this probably global fatigue that is happening in this tension. But specifically with people, I talk about something called the stress language. I just made that up. It doesn't mean anything. I just made that term up. Yeah. But it's kind of like people's oh, love man. language, you know, yeah. talk about your love language all the time. It's kind of like your stress language. So I, I draw this thing on the, my whiteboard. I love whiteboards. So I draw this thing on the whiteboard about the bell curve and as stress gets higher, sometimes, um, well, one area we look at is stress level. The other area we look at is functionality. Yeah. So let's just say stress is so high that you're in this dysfunctional place. You really need to be in tune with like, what does your body feel? So do I feel stomach ache? Do I feel a headache? Do I feel my heart pounding? Do I feel tired? Whatever. And then what am I doing emotionally or behaviorally? So do I get really sleepy? Do I just need to go to my bed? Do I get manic and I get my to-do list? Do I get short and irritable and snappy? Do I get whatever? Um, And so I always ask couples like to say it out loud, like, where do you feel it in your body? And then kind of share that with each other. Where, how do you feel it in your boat, in your emotions or in your behaviors? So that, and they usually know that because, you know, some of these people have been together a long time, but to hear it and to put it out there of like, in, in order for us to help each other with stress, especially when we're in this literally little place together, um, physically we're in this house together. We have to understand the kind of the, the stress language and understand each other. So we don't do the wrong thing. Yeah. Because like my husband Jasper, he when he's stressed and he's in that place kind of of overload, he just needs to be alone, be quiet, like yeah. talk to me. Yeah. And I need to sit and just let it out and I don't need anybody to solve anything. I just need to like yes. say it. So, you know, when we first got married, I would follow him around the house, like, What's wrong? What's wrong? Like, can I help you with you don't look her are you okay? And he'd be like <laughs> you're making this worse right get away Which from so me funny. Then- can i say that that is exactly because like touring with jasper yeah when you're gone i just take the role of you because sarah and totally. i are really flipped, yeah. and so I'm like, hey yeah. how are you doing what are you doing are you, are you, are you okay, okay. Yeah. About this? So are you like, okay well i'm i'm not now i'm not okay because you're driving me crazy <laughs> yeah. and then for me i just need someone to you know so when i would be stressed he would assume that i'd want what he would want so he would leave me alone and i'd be like what the heck like i just need you to listen to me right so part of it is just understanding each other's stress languages so that um, you can help each other and not make it worse. Yes. Um, what is name? And the tricky part is what? No, no what were we going to say? What's the tricky part? Well, the tricky part is sometimes like what happens if we're both stressed at the same time and I need to vent and he needs alone time. That's when people are like, well, now what do we do? And it's like, you do both. How do you do both? You just take turns. <laughs> he, just, he listens and then he goes away and then I let him go away and then when he comes back he listens a little more and you just okay. kind of take turns and you figure it out but that it can happen too you're both stressed and then you have yeah. different ways to deal with it okay say say I say I was in like a, a session with you and mm-hmm. uh one of us needs to just get away and deal with stuff on our own and like have that introvertedness mm-hmm. and the other person uh has that like you're saying that it needs to talk it out hash things out uh Taking turns makes sense. Who would you say should start it? What? So, you, yeah, usually I say the person who needs alone time absolutely needs that they can't get it anywhere else. If you're someone that needs to vent it out, you can even vent it out to yourself. You can even mm. say it out loud if you need to call a buddy or whatever. But the other person has to, the person that needs alone time can't get anything in or out unless they have that alone time. It's just a little bit of a different animal. So I usually say you can go have alone time first, but you can't take three hours of alone time. Like maybe you say, I need 30 minutes or I need 45 minutes. And then you're the one that goes away and needs alone time is the one that needs to uh, initiate the reconnection. Yeah. Instead of like the other person saying, okay, you're done. I have stuff to say, cause that's not going to work. Yeah. So it's like, sure, go take your time, but you can't just take as much time as you want and say, I'm going to go in the basement. I'll see you later. Like I just need, I need to need to watch one episode of something or I just need to go for a run around the block yeah, or whatever. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, but then you need to re-engage. Be the one to re-engage. I like that when you say things like uh, give an end time uh, for it. Say I need, I'm going to go take 30 minutes or an hour walk or something like mm-hmm. that. That's something I can, con- that's, I can connect with. That's like a tangible thing I could do better yeah. at because I mean, I'm linking that to, I, when we did pre-marriage counseling, uh, Sarah and I, uh, the, one of the biggest takeaways, like the number one thing that I feel like benefited our marriage in a massive way was this phrase, uh, unspoken expectations and mm-hmm. just Re- at all, it comes up literally once a week for the two of us, where uh, we at least are thinking to ourselves, "Okay, is, are there any uns- unspoken expectations that mm-hmm. I have right now?" And I think when uh, you say something like that, like, "Okay, thirty minutes," let's it just lets both people say, "Okay, this isn't you not going to ever talk to me. This just right. is you're going to take some time. There's a comeback to this, and yeah. it almost allows you to set it down for a second, yeah, knowing that you can pick it up." Remember now, our podcast that we did. Um, on my other deck, this is my other deck. Just kidding. I'm no, just I've kidding. upgraded. Totally. My other deck. Um, we talked about, um, feels like a nicer deck. What do we talk? <laughs> um, what do we talk about? Oh, anxiety, uh, yeah. uh, vagueness, vagueness always leads to anxiety. And it's that same, same thing. Mm. Do you it's feel like, idea. Yes. That was, and that's a great reminder. I'm going to put a link to that episode, which we talked about what's it like uh, living, what's it like being in a relationship where one person connects with the thought of being like an artistic, creative person and the other person mm-hmm. doesn't view themselves that way. And I like to word it that mm-hmm. way because I think we all are creative uh, and sure. it manifests in different ways for everybody. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes of this. Okay. Um, but when you say the vagueness thing, that makes me think of what you're saying earlier about uh, like, where in the body do I feel this? Does mm-hmm. that, does that play a role? Like I, I, I understand naturally you talk about vagueness. That's like communication between spouses, but mm-hmm. is, can the vagueness thing be important when it comes to dealing with your own stress and your own anxiety? Yeah, I think so. Because usually when we're in it, we don't realize we're in it unless we stop and do kind of almost like a secondary survey of like, where, what am I feeling and what am I doing? Cause you know, you get stressed, you wake up and you're stressed about something or you just have this overall tension and you're just in it. You just, you just keep functioning. Usually you just keep kind of functioning yeah. kind of keep moving and that's fine for a while, yeah. but then it doesn't help you be able to self-regulate cause you don't know you're dysregulated. Oh, now, okay. That's fascinating. Well, that's like the catch to all of this, right? Like this isn't mm-hmm. this whole even conversation is like, how do you get to this point of moving forward? If you don't know you're in a place that needs to move forward. Right. Do you, uh, are there yeah. like things you can build? Are there things you can build into? Like we all know, everybody knows right now we're all in a high stress situation. Mm-hmm. Um, are there like check-ins that you'd recommend people do like self check-ins or like what are ways people can do that secondary check and Mm -hmm. see where they're at? Well, um, there's kind of two levels. If you're just kind of dysregulated on a mild to moderate level, you're going to feel maybe sick or you're going to feel your body feels funny. Mm -hmm. And so part of it is just waking up in the morning and going, how does my body feel? If I know that stress is in my stomach, how does my stomach feel right now? A little bit like mindfulness about just your body. And not that you have to trust your body all the time because our body can trick us. Our Mm -hmm. body can go into fight or flight when we don't really need it. I mean, that's a panic attack is usually like we don't need, we're not in danger, but our body thinks that we are. So we can't always trust it, but it's a good way to start. I'm just like, where am I at? Where am I feeling it? Because that's going to help us understand um, I have to be better. I have to, my stomach is upset. Maybe, you know, it feels kind of like a stressed stomach or I have a headache. It feels like a stressed headache. That means I have to be more aware of not being snippy with myself. Or that means I need to go and eat something. I need to yeah. go and drink something. I mean, when people have some anxiety and depression stuff, a lot of times they'll say, make sure you're eating and drinking well, make sure your blood sugar is regulated. Cause yeah. a drop in blood sugar can feel like depression or it can feel like a panic attack. Um, so yeah. make sure you're eating, make sure you're drinking and then yeah. it's like reevaluate kind of thing. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Basic stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
I'm thinking about my, I'm, while you're saying that, I'm trying to think of like where that stress, what, how that uh, shows itself for me. Mm-hmm. And when I just get overloaded, I am, I'm such like a one task oriented person. Like sure. I can't do, I can't multitask at all. Mm-hmm. So like when I get stressed out, it's like stuff is too much and my brain just can't even like attach to a thought and mm-hmm. stuff. But I've also realized that happens when I drink too much coffee. And so, right. so we all find ourselves yes. like it's really trendy to be uh, intermittent fasting right now. Mm-hmm. Or like it's really trendy to be doing like, you know, we're home. Let's like make sure you like exercise and go for walks. And like, but we're home and we're, we're like, I've been drinking a little bit more coffee in the mornings than normal because mm-hmm. I'm just around. So yeah. I wonder that if that's kind of a thing too of just being mindful. Yeah. Like you're in a new physical situation too. Yeah. Uh, and that can, the physical stuff can obviously trigger emotional stuff, which then triggers behavioral stuff. Yeah. So yeah, just kind of keeping track of that. But then also like on a bigger level, there's something called flooding, which happens where our prefrontal cortex, which is our um, logic and reasoning, when we get really overwhelmed, whether it's in a conflict, if we're in like a fight with our spouse yeah. or road rage or um, whatever people feel heightened by, um, what happens is that it kind of shuts off. And so we have no logic and reasoning. And then we end up getting flooded with cortisol, which is a stress hormone. So we're all emotion and we're no logic and reasoning. And the funny thing about, the funny thing about um, flooding is when you're flooded, you don't know you're flooded. Because you have oh. no logic or reasoning. So that's why when you say to people, when they're flooded and you say, calm down, and they say, I am calm. You calm down. Don't tell me to calm down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're the one Because <laughs> they don't really are flooded, which is, part of being flooded and so the only way to get your body back to baseline um if you're in that position because your heart rate's probably up your blood pressure's probably up yeah. everything's offline you have to take 30 minute like a time out so to speak which sounds like such a kid thing to do but really it's just space where your stuff can come down regulate so that your brain can come back online and you can actually be cognitive but mm-hmm. when you get into this place of too high emotion whether it be stress or whether it be conflict our bodies and our brains react to that and it goes into the fight or flight thing and you're, you're all motion yeah. all logic and reasoning oh man that's so fascinating i i'm thinking about when i when i get like f- too flooded i'm thinking about like uh, maybe like a road rage situation or like mm-hmm. some some like re- like really extreme conflicts times of, like mm-hmm. that for me i've mm-hmm. literally lost vision like people talk about yep. seeing red like my vision like things i like almost like can't see as well sure. is, that, is that weird it's like uh, probably a blood pressure change or it's <laughs> like a, your body just saying like you have to focus on this yeah. and i'm going to shut down any other part of you so that you can focus on this yeah. it's wild yeah plus i'm yeah. i'm ginormous six six and so like all the blood for, is like rushing out of my legs so i'm just passing <laughs> out <laughs> uh, it's like my body needs so much blood to make these massive <laughs> legs just function in everyday life. <laughs> so that when my brain You're so I, sensitive. <laughs> just any, any any sort of like emotional interaction, I just get lightheaded. Down. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, Rob passes out really easily. <laughs> That's a good way to get out of conflict. You'll win every time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so great. Yeah, it's it's a great thing because I get these like you know we could be arguing and uh, I, then I pass out and everybody feels bad yeah, for right. me. And and I then just I win. win. <laughs> yeah, nobody <laughs> talks about it again. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh man, I I I'm, I'm trying to think. Okay, I'm trying to think of in this situation if there's anything else I want to hit before I move on to like uh, like tactical tips and things you would say f- for people to avoid. Um, but before you, you, you give any like tips or anything like that, is there any other, like, it sounds, seems so a pro to be like, what else should we talk about? But is there anything else in, in this that you, that comes up that you're like, actually, I feel like you, we, we should mention this. I don't know if I missed anything. Um, well, I think just kind of segueing into that, it's, we talk about the tension and kind of naming it and then, the, mm-hmm. you know, naming the tension as basically just emotional, dis- we're just all emotionally disoriented. Yeah. Like, all of us. Yeah. And so we, you know, we are, we're all of a sudden we're now fearing. It's just this thing that was over, you know, far away from our house. All right. It's too bad. Like, yeah, we should keep an eye on this. This is a global thing. Like, yeah, you, like, you have genuine, invested. everybody has like this certain level of their own personal But then it's like, empathy. oh, but then yeah. it's here. And like, it could be in my house and it's 
I can't talk to my neighbor that's over there right now gardening. Yeah. Because, you know what I mean? Like all those things. And so I think there's the fear of sickness all of a sudden. Yeah. And people who weren't anxious about it before and now are anxious or people that were anxious are heightened in that. Uh, fear of an economic loss. I mean, I think, Yeah. you know, even yeah. 401k and all that stuff. I think we are kind of losing individuality, even though we're all home and we're all by ourselves. We're kind of, we've kind of, we're now we're just part of this bigger system. Like we yes. kind of lost because we can't do our jobs like we usually do. We can't mm-hmm. express ourselves in the same way we have. So we kind of lost ourselves a little bit. I think parenting stress for sure. Yeah. I mean, your kids are home. People are now saying they have to homeschool. I mean, my kid's almost two, so we're just doing life as normal. Yeah. But I mean, working on potty training, you know, but yeah. um, you know, there's parenting stress and daycare lack of daycare stress. And then we just have like so much change so fast. Yeah. Like, you, yeah, it's, it just, just like seems overnight, this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. It's, yeah. uh, you know what I found? Okay. I have been thinking this past week about this. The fact that it is, all of this was so sudden and it was like a snap. You you're going from, okay, tomorrow I'm going to be inside self-isolated. Yep for who knows till this thing blows right. over. Right. And so it's flipped. Right. And what I've kind of noticed is that I think it's fascinating that this situation has, is really bringing to the surface things that already existed. So like mm-hmm. if there are, for me, my fears, my insecurities career wise, or just our, mm-hmm. my own personal um, interaction with my ego that I've dealt with things that Mm -hmm. exist with me are now just like heightened and they're brought up and brought to the surface. So like individuality, my like ego pride as like an artist or whatever, feeling like I need to be, no, I'm different. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm set apart. I'm doing my own thing. I'm the Rob Morgan, all that bullshit. (laughs) Like the, like that's come now all of a sudden I'm like heightened. No, we're all in this together. Everybody is on like, social media that's where we're all hanging out and you're just one mm-hmm. of the numbers now i'm right it's easy i only say that rant in that i find it's i would think that it's easy to uh see the situations and the things we're dealing with right whether it's emotionally fear physically and say mm-hmm. well this is this is just because of um of this situation when this blows over it'll be fine but really mm-hmm. to me i'm curious about looking at it and asking, Oh, is this something that's existed within me for a while? And this is just sure. to it. Yeah. And this is like, this is an opportunity. I hate to say any opportunity crap, like look at this from the positive, but is this a chance for me to, you know, confront some of those things that have been within me emotionally? Well, a lot of times there's like a kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, I can't think of the word. I'm sorry, but it's kind of like, we kind of have something dormant. And then something happens in our life and then we get, we like start to develop symptoms of depression or we develop anxiety or something where it was kind of in our DNA, maybe it was kind of in the cards for us, but then something traumatic happens and all of a sudden it's, I can't think of the word. I'm so sorry. But um, anyway, it's that idea of like, oh, now I know what anxiety feels like. Yeah. Okay. Now that this is all over, how do I not feel this way anymore? Yeah. I mean, it's almost in that way. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so good. Yeah. These things that are, it just goes into, uh, not that it's just like, I think one of the most damaging things is like an us and them mentality in life in mm-hmm. general. And it's very mm-hmm. easy for, to, when to look at people dealing with stuff and be like, Oh, anxiety, that's a them thing, not a me thing. Uh, but I feel like yeah, kind of what you're saying, like, Oh, this is, this has been inside me the whole time. And I didn't know it. Yeah. It was waiting. To come yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I do want to be respectful of your time. So maybe let's, I want to hear before we go, is there like a not to do list? Are there any things we could be like, uh, we should be avoiding intentionally when it comes to Mm -hmm. all this relationally? Doesn't it sound like I just pulled that out of my butt and we didn't talk about this beforehand. I'm so so professional. This is really easy. (laughs) Um, Let me tell you, Rob. Good question. (laughs) <laughs> okay so here's what i'm seeing and right this, you know, yeah. some, some people might argue with me some therapists might argue with me that's fine i don't care but what i'm seeing is um with my couples who have already come into we've been working together for a long time or even a short time whatever but we've been working hard on goals it's been intense there's intense things there's dynamics um 
you know, the dynamics that you are, that you had before this whole thing is only going to probably get worse. It's probably going to get more intensified because people's emotions are higher yeah. and we're stuck together. Right. And those so, things that were already here already just brought to the surface and it's going to get magnified. Yeah. So what I've been telling my clients and my couples is this is not the time to do like major relationship work. Mm. Like, I don't even really want to work unless they're, unless they're willing and they they have the capacity to, some people still have the capacity to, but I don't really want to dig stuff up. I don't really need, we don't really need to look at all this major stuff. There's like trains all over. No, you, are matter. you hearing that? I'm sorry. A little bit. Public no, it's... I live far away. <laughs> Man, this is like downtown, but... not in the boonies. No, right. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I just, Hey, let's just take a break from our normal treatment plan and let's just figure out like, how can we just not make it worse? So mm. basically that's what I'm telling clients is like, don't let's put a pause on major relationship reconstruction and let's just not make things worse right now. And I think that that can be said for anybody in any area, any level of relationship, any level of um, happiness, I guess you could say, even if you're, you know, really in a good, solid, securely attached, well-adjusted marriage, just still don't make things worse. Yeah. Like do your part just to not make things worse right now because yeah. now it's not the time. I and mean, I have some couples who are, um, you know, contemplating divorce and now they feel like they can't because where are we going to go mm. or what is it going to look like? You know? And so then we got that kind of stuff, but the majority of it is just yeah. wanting to make the relationship better, not talking about divorce, but just do your best to not make it worse. That's my first Yes. Don't do a, don't do a whole makeover right now. Yeah. This isn't the, like the, the chance to improve this. No. Is, yeah. Even though we're all, we have all this time, we may have those time. Now it's not the time. So yeah. that was one. And then the other thing is really, this is just every day, but really don't focus on the negative in that. What happens is we get these filters, whether we know it or not, we get these filters about our, um, real, our relationship. We get these filters about who our spouses or our, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. And then we, we, we filter their behaviors through this, this lens, so to speak. Yes. And so we end up making assumptions. We end up globalizing behaviors. We end up reacting to things prematurely, assuming that they're going to do something that way we think they're going to do it. And then sometimes yeah. they don't like, Oh, so don't focus on, you know, he always did this or he always does that, or she always did this. So therefore she's going to do it that way. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't leave any room for change. Doesn't leave any room for just yeah normal interaction. Yes, you're already going in preconceived of this is how they're going to respond. You're just focusing on the negative without giving them a chance. So that's kind of always, but I think especially now because we just we would wake up just assuming the worst about our partner. Yeah, and even like you were saying earlier about how you know these are my needs and these are their needs. I would assume, at least for me, I can only talk about myself. In that, it's it would be easy for me to say, "Oh, I've got Sarah figured out. I know what she needs. I know when I approach her like this, she's gonna." It's it's almost like, man, I want to. I have to remind myself right now to give her the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Like in this situation, like Mm -hmm. okay, I'm gonna just trust that you are a level-headed, normal human being that is going to listen to me right now. I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, so I just, call this, uh, what do you call oh, it? Oh, well, I was just going to say, I, I, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go first because yours sounds way more important. So I'll, let, I'll end with that one. But my thought is I also uh, read a quote this week that I can't remember the name. It was like Anias. I can't remember who said it, but it was, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. Um. Mm. And so I don't know, I don't know how that fits into this, but it just, you, what you're saying made me think of that. Um, yeah. Or what we, what we've experienced. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're supposed to things nine out of 10 times, you're going to assume, but you know, yeah. um, we call that. So there's a, there's a great book called hold me tight by Susan Johnson. She created emotionally focused therapy and she talks about primal panic questions. And what happens with primal panic questions is when we start to feel kind of disconnected from our spouse or when we're in conversation with them, we can oftentimes have this primal panic question of, um, there's four, but the, the, the two biggest ones is, are, um, do I matter? And can I rely on you? Oh man. And so let's just say, um, mine would be, okay, let's just say, do I matter? So then it gets, can get silly. Like, okay, let's say I'll send Jasper to the store 
um, okay, well, let's put it to, to, can I rely on you? Okay. And then I send yeah. Joshua to the store and I say, he, I need these, these things, whatever. Yeah. And he comes back with the 2% milk instead of the whole milk, very neutral. But if I'm filtering through that, I can't rely on him, then I'm going to say, see, he can't even get the right milk. Yes. Instead of like, you braved your life to go to Costco for us. You know, yes. it's like, you, you got the wrong milk. So, I mean, not that that's ever happened, but the idea is we filter things through those. Do I matter? Mm. Or, you know, can I rely on you? And then even neutral behavior, can, we can flip to, to become negative if we're using those filters. Oh man, I am total crap at that. I do that all the time with Sarah. Well, she she will do something and I will be in a conversation in my own mind uh, about, I'll be thinking, I'll be framing it through all the things I've been thinking about the us-ness, our relationship. Mm-hmm. And then she'll mm-hmm. say something that she didn't mean anything by, but because I'm having this conversation in my head yeah. in the past week about us, like that's like, I'm not even giving her a single chance with that. And then um, she probably thinks, do I matter? Cause he didn't even respond to what I'm actually saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not even listening to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Right. And just cycles. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Oh yes. It's so good. Yeah. That's something I need to be intentional about. Okay. Uh, are there anything like any to do like positive things that tools people can have? Well, I think, you know, um, well, on the flip of that, it's to kind of just be positive and not, I'm not like a positive psychology person. I'm not just like rainbows and butterflies and just yeah. change your mind and everything will be always perfect. But it's just noticing things that maybe you didn't notice before or acknowledging them, what you appreciate. So I've had some clients and some friends even say like, oh, now my husband or my wife is working from home and I kind of can see what they do. And it's like, wow, they're really good at their job. They had no yeah. idea what they yeah. even did or like how... Yeah whatever. And it was like, Oh, just, just make sure that you verbalize that to them or just even little things, um, that, that just the little things can add up. So kind yeah. of not positive and like creating things, but just noticing what maybe you hadn't noticed before because you hadn't yeah. had the time or the intentionality of it. Yeah. I do get re I get pretty salty pretty quick about when I feel like things are too like rainbow and butterflies. Oh, mm-hmm. like let's all be, but I will say one of the biggest things for Sarah and I that I do think we're good at is I call them uh, micro gratitudes. So things mm-hmm. like uh, ever like everyday things like expectations that you normally mm-hmm. wouldn't thank the other person for mm-hmm. uh, like washing the dishes or taking the trash out. We've been married for freaking six years. Like those mm-hmm. don't need to thank. We don't shouldn't expect to thank you for all those tiny things. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, like reminding yourself to thank the other person, be like, Hey, thanks yeah. for doing that. Hey, you made the bed. Thank you for doing that. Like, right. I think that does add up. And I like, it keeps me looking for more positive. Uh, yeah. And yeah, anyway. Well, and Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Well, and for every one negative, I mean, John Gottman did research that every one negative interaction needs five positive interactions to counter the one. And we talked about that, I think, too, in the other podcast of like, it's not a one-to-one ratio. So you can almost like fill it up a little bit. So you have a little margin in case you do something stupid. You kind of have a little padding, but it's more just about, yeah, keeping the focus on the positive. Not always, but when you can, try to be positive. Well, yeah, at least for me, I just I don't need to practice looking for the negative. Like I'm already amazing at that. I'm a professional yeah. <laughs> at finding things sure. to complain about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just but the, the other side takes work. Okay, that's yeah. good. Uh, any anything else come to mind for any like t- other to do? Yeah, I think. I think- I'm, I'm, more, I'm, le- I, I'm leading as if you had, I feel like in my spirit, my gut that you'd have like two more possibly. Yeah, two more, two more. <laughs> time, time for two more, Rob. <laughs> um, um, okay, so two more. The next one would be, well, you know, we've all heard about all these things to do, you know, make a routine, mm-hmm. eat good, all this stuff, right? Okay, I'm not going to talk about that, but I am going to say when you make a routine, you need to communicate about it, especially if the two of you are working at home or if even if even if not even if one is still you know essential and working out whatever um just make the routine and communicate about it so what that looks like in my house is we just had a conversation about this because we have a two-year-old almost two-year-old and we both work from home and so um just yesterday i was saying we have to 
do a little bit of better job of saying like, you know, Jasper had a bunch of recording come in yeah. uh, tracks that he needed to get done. And I had a bunch of other stuff that I needed to get, to get done. But for him, his were time sensitive and mine were just like, I need to do these eventually. So for him to be able to say, I have to get these done by this day, like mm-hmm. you need to be with the room right now. That's great. Or I have a session, I have sessions that I have to go upstairs for the next five hours. So, you know, so it's, it's not just about making a routine, but it's about making a routine and communicating it because our routines are now impacting our spouses in ways that they yeah. might not have before. Yeah. And we can't just assume like, oh, I'm just going to go upstairs. I'm not going to say anything and just go upstairs and start working because he's not going to know when I'm coming back down. Yes. Like, or yeah. whatever. So it's more about making the routine great. That's great. Fine. But also communicate about what you're doing and when you're doing it. Yeah. Oh, that's not asking permission, but just kind of like, this is what I need. How can we work together? Yeah. You know, that is, yeah, that is, it's funny. I have, I have a friend that gives me so much crap doing the podcast about how many times I use the word intentional being intentional, mm-hmm. but I feel like that is just like the intent, the yeah. level of intentionality I'm realizing is just has to be through the roof right now. Yeah. Uh, communicating oh, yeah. all that crap. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's good. I love that. Yeah. I have one more tip. I had time to think one more. Um, mostly it's just, you need to take your self care, your social needs, kind of social self care needs into your own hands. And so if you're an extrovert, don't just rely on your spouse to fill all of those needs. Mm-hmm. So be FaceTiming your friends or be do, you know, zoom happy hours. People are doing that or whatever because you're going to feel like I'm an extrovert and I'm not getting what I need. And you might get crabby. You might get, or you might be super intense or just really glob onto your person. And they're like, I yeah. can't, this is not, this is too much for one person. So take kind of take care of that and make sure that you're getting your extroverted needs met in however way you need to do that in this time of staying at home. And then if uh, on the opposite, if you're introvert, carve out time, carve out a place in your home. That's your introvert space. Um, yeah. Yeah communicate to your person. I need two hours alone. Yeah. Don't talk to me. It's not personal, but I just need that time. Yeah. Because if you're not, if the introvert's not getting their time, the extrovert's not getting their time, you're both just going to be crabby at each other and it's, yeah. you're not going to be able to solve anything. So um, take that into your own, that's your own responsibility to kind of deal with that. Yeah. And especially for me right now, a big question I've been asking myself uh, is like it, this for me is, I'm I'm constantly been asking myself, am I being proactive or reactive right now? And mm-hmm. especially the past a couple of weeks, I've, I've realized I've been really reactive to certain things. Like I'm kind of, I'm waiting for certain things financially. I've been like, okay, we, I, there's only a certain amount I can do financially. I'm, I'm like, I find myself being reactive and waiting for like the government sure. subs- subsidization to come through. Are we, are we like getting any financial aid? Like where does mm-hmm. this stuff come? So there's so many things that I'm like, being reactionary to that are out of mm-hmm. my hands and I'm trying to be better about like releasing the things I don't have control over. But at the same time, I th- still am like, it's still taking work and I'm still trying to get better at, uh, really realizing what I need to be proactive at. Like you're saying, mm-hmm. like I don't wait for Sarah to do something that I need emotionally. Right. It's just like tell her those unspoken expectations. Like this is what I need right now. I think I need like whatever or I don't know. Is yeah. it, does it seem too cheesy to be like, I kind of need more compliments like right now. I need, so, I kind of need someone to be like, I feel like we both could use like us, like thanking each other more, like pointing out like the really nice things. Can you do that? I don't think that, sorry, I'm being blinded. <laughs> I don't know where to go. Um, it's high noon or something. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think that because you're, we're all in this time of emotional kind of dysregulation or what did I say? Disorientating or whatever yeah. time. I think that we need things that we usually don't yeah. because we're experiencing things that we usually haven't experienced. And so I don't think that that's, you know, an odd thing an odd request yeah. is like, you know, we're just all kind of feeling goofy. So I think that if, if, if a compliment thing is good for you, then that's what you need to, you know, communicate that that's what you need. If, something else that's fine too so part of it is just we have to just navigate this different everybody's dealing with it differently and that's fine yeah that's okay yeah oh man this is yeah that's so good i feel like even just what you said right there so many things about what you've said in this i would hope 
at least for me, I can say, I can say like, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, okay. I've been dealing with this. That's, that's why. Okay. I've been, mm-hmm. like, I've been oh, like, having these kind of things. Like this is where I should kind of place that. Um, uh, so I feel like that this is like really helped me. And I feel like this is hopefully other people that are listening to this, this will help. Thank you in a massive way. Like I am just so filled with so much gratitude that you were willing to take the time. Like this is like perfect. This is what you make of your living doing like having conversations like this. So the fact that you're sitting down with me to have this conversation, yeah, well, give us, I'm so grateful. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy to do that. And I think that I needed to hear all this stuff too, just as a wife. I mean, sure. It's my profession, but I needed to be reminded too. Mm, yeah. As somebody who's also doing this in her own life. So yeah. it was good for me to think through these as well. Oh man, this rules. Okay. If somebody is in Minnesota, cause I know you do marriage and family counseling and you also mm-hmm. now are doing life coaching and career coaching. If someone life coaching and relationship coaching, oh, relationship. The, the coaching part is national or international. There's no regulation on that. Oh really? I can meet with anybody online or through the phone for coaching. Um, yes. all over the place. But for my, for therapy, I'm within, Oh geez. My phone's ringing. My mom's calling. <laughs> Sorry. Um, um, yeah, but for therapy, it's in the state of Minnesota. Yeah. It is interesting. And I was talking to you beforehand of, okay, what's the difference between like therapy and coaching? And uh, mm-hmm. the most interesting thing that you said was uh, that therapy usually happens when someone's in a time of crisis and the coach, and that's super highly regulated. And then the coaching is something that uh, if someone maybe doesn't feel like they're in crisis, but they just want to take like the next step or like talk with someone about advice or all those things, you don't have to be in like crisis. And that's a little bit way more open. So like after listening to this, if someone were going to reach out to you for like life coaching or relationship coaching, uh, not specifically something that's in therapy, because that, that's super mm-hmm. highly regulated, but if someone just wanted uh, someone to talk to for a coaching aspect, how could someone reach out to you and connect with you? Well, on my website, um, this is so funny. <laughs> on my website, Amanda Nephew Therapy, <laughs> no, Amanda Nephew dot com, uh, Amanda Nephew Therapy Services. Uh, you can all my contact information is on there, so there's a yeah. contact me request um, that. Uh, you can click on. This is yeah, so funny. I know. It's it so is so weird. Fun. It is so weird too because I, that's the thing with the podcast. I'm like, on, on my favorite thing is just to be like, have a normal conversation or whatever. Let's yeah. do, no, like intro, outro. I'll do that at the end. Uh, yeah. But then when I'm like, yo, it just feels weird. Like now let's, <laughs> so weird, let's yeah. have a really professional closer to the <laughs> conversation <laughs> after that. The plug, oh God. Hey, let's do this. I'm just going to, I'll put a link to that in the okay, show notes great. below. If people do it too. And the, the coaching stuff isn't on my website yet. Um, but basically just contact me if you're looking for coaching. Yeah. Coaching and therapy are, um, they can feel very different. They are very different. I mean, yeah. therapy is, you know, we're looking at past, we're looking at, um, patterns we're looking at some trauma we're looking at those things yeah which is um you know mental health diagnosis things like that and with couples therapy there can be you know big issues as well in there and then coaching is a little bit more um someone's coming a little bit already maybe a little bit in a healthier place and maybe more of a regulated place and it's about goals emotional regulation um enneagram stuff uh strength finders things that are um change you know decision making processes things like that and then with couples it's just we're doing right well, but we want to, you know, grow more and learn more. So there's, there's pros and cons to both. They're both yeah. very um, important. And I love sitting with people in different ways. So yeah, yeah. I just added that in not that long ago. So oh, that's fun. so cool. Yeah. Piece. Yeah. Yes. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this rule. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing this with me. I really, I'm, I am convinced that if some that people that listen to this, that this is going to be a massive benefit. Cause I just know for me how much like mental oxygen I just got out of this. Oh, so this rule. Oh, good. This is Rob with just a quick note before you head off into your week. I just wanted to say a huge thank you, a massive thank you to any of you that have rated commented or subscribed to this podcast on iTunes Also, thank you to those of you that have reached out to me and shared your stories of how these interviews or some of these conversations have impacted you, have inspired you. Man, that has been so awesome to hear. 
If you have a story you'd like to share with me, head over to thecuriouspod.com slash contact, and I'd love to hear your stories or any just questions you may have for me. Hey, while you're over there, if you want to check out show notes for this or any of the other interviews I've done or contact info for this guest or any of the others, head over to thecuriouspod.com for any of that. And also, I'm really pumped about this. We have a map right there on the front of the website that shows all the locations that these interviews and conversations have taken place. If you've heard something you like and you want to go check it out for yourself, that's right there. Or you can just check it out at thecuriouspod.com slash map or just right there on the front of the website. I'll show... I'll show. <laughs> also, if you want to reach out to me on social media or follow me anywhere, pretty much everything online is the Rob Morgan at the Rob Morgan. Whatever you 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 know the drill. All right, enough of that nonsense. All this podcasting has made me thirsty. You know, <laughs> I am so pumped that I do not have to deal with sponsors for this podcast, or else I'd have to tell you. Podcasting makes me thirsty, and nothing quenches a podcast thirst, whether you're listening, uh, interviewing, editing, recording, listening to something unrelated to a podcast. Nothing quenches a thirst like a Guinness. Hey, Hofi, can I steal you for a second? Do you have anything you want to say about Guinness? I'd like to take a minute to thank Guinness, because it truly is made of more. That's all. All right. That's it. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I love that crap. All right. Have a great week. See you next Tuesday. Anything else? Thanks for being here. I got nothing. Say the most random thing you can think of. Yell it. I got nothing. The only word I can think of is formaldehyde. Perfect.